dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast, powered by Prospera Partners. Now here are your hosts. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Impact Out Loud. I'm Vicki Pazabon, and I love fall. I'm so excited. We have convinced Vicki to love fall, just in case anyone was worried. <laughs> and I hope that you listen to part one of this particular podcast series because... I got called out for not loving fall, but I love fall. I love the turning of the seasons. I'm so happy and so hey. grounded. And I love pumpkin spice, okay? I love all the pumpkin spice things. I mean, that's that's going a little too far, though. We don't need to go there with the pumpkin spice. And no one right, likes fine. when people are making up lies. So just, you know, it's own true. yourself for each individual. We accept you for you. Exactly. We accept that you love summer and the heat of summer. And Kim and I are more, you know, loving fall. We're, we're those kind of people. It's all good. Difference is okay. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you, Kim. Kim Brown is here. She's our guest from Girls Inc. of Santa Fe. We talked last time about the organization and some of the work in practice at the organization. But we're going to jump into more conversations around leadership and what does it look like to be what we consider Kim to be is a true transformational leader. That's very kind. So Kim, I just want to jump right in and help create that bridge from our last episode into this episode. And you had mentioned shared power and practicing shared power in your team. I'd love for you to share more, especially as a CEO, what does that actually look like in practice? And and I want to give you a hint a little bit around where, where I'm coming from that We've talked about it on the podcast, and it's a conversation we've had with a lot of clients that there's a trend right now around co-directorship, and co-directorships can be a really powerful way to demonstrate shared leadership. They're not the only way, but I think sometimes people get caught in that like co-director model, and I know you're a CEO, and you've adopted some shared power and shared leadership within Girls Incorporated of Santa Fe. So can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like in practice? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really the the beautiful thing. It really is aligned with our mission because what we want to do is empower girls that they they know that their voice matters and they know that they deserve a seat at the table. And so I lead my team in a way that all their voices matter and they should be heard. So you know, it wasn't always easy and it wasn't always the way that we have been. I've been exec for about 10 years and I really have pushed that through my leadership. And so, you know, it's anything from, we don't do board retreats. We do board and staff retreats and everyone on the staff is invited and is kind of required to be there. And the way that we do those retreats is it's facilitated discussions. And so everybody has a voice. It's all the same playing field. And the interesting thing at first, when it first started off in that model, and I was trying to approach this, we had lots of discussions around the board table, around power, around um, what it means to be a good board member, what it means to listen, what it means to be a problematic board member. We've built our culture in such a way that now, if someone doesn't want that, they want a different kind of power structure within the organization, they just don't end up fitting in. They just end up kind of weeding themselves out a little bit. So they just kind of don't 
fit into the structure because they want the structure. They want somebody to tell them what to do and that sort of thing, or they want to be in charge. And I want to commend you on that because it's not easy to have those hard conversations, especially with board members. And it's hard for them sometimes to be self-aware enough to self-select in or out. Oh, it's not always with like, you know, they haven't always loved to select out. It's been sort of like, I don't agree with your leadership. And I've been like, well, that's what you get if you got me. So, um, and they've left. So, you know. But you don't shy away from it. And there are so many leaders that I have worked with and that I have known, you know, I'm friends with whatever. And I was one at some point too, where it's just too hard. And so we kind of back down from it or other board members back down from it. And we just kind of sit in it and go, well, I don't know how to deal with this. So I'm just going to put up with it. And I think what you have done is really stepped into the hard conversations and said, this is how it is. And it's okay if you don't agree. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things, you know, we were having a hard moment with a board member a few months ago and I think the thing that I learned from you all, because we were talking through it and you guys were helping me kind of process and figure it out, is this concept of we're trying to do something different. You know, so many nonprofits and there's all these websites and books about how nonprofits board should run and how nonprofits should be run and the leadership model around them. And you all gave me that language of that's true and multiple things can be true and we're trying to do something different. And um, I've been able to really lean into that language. It's been good. I'm curious if you have any advice to give to people in leadership positions, so CEOs, executive directors, executive level, who maybe are those individuals who have shied away, as Vicki was referencing a few moments ago. A lot of folks do shy away from the difficult conversations, or as I like to think about it, people say, you know, I don't want to get into the conflict. And I think what a lot of folks don't realize is conflict is everywhere all the time. We actually can't avoid conflict. It's what we do with it and how we move through it. Yeah, conflict is actually And conflict can be really productive. Yeah, some of the best changes come from conflict. Definitely. So what advice would you give to folks who maybe are hesitant to to step into that more? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I kind of live by as a leader is if something's sitting in my chest or my voice is shaking about something, it's the moment where I need to be speaking up and that's what I need to pay attention to. I don't know. I just feel when things are kind of not aligned and when there's something quite off. And so what I want to do is just bring that conflict out into the open and almost obnoxiously sometimes talk about the elephant in the room. Like, how can we talk through this to have it improve? Now, that's not always, especially with adults, adults aren't always under that model. So sometimes they don't like when I approach them about something. But it's even as much as, you know, we recently had activity that we did at Girls Inc. And we didn't have 100% consensus that we should be doing that activity. And that activity in the end ended up being really successful. And so afterwards, I sent an email and I said, you know, hey, I just want to acknowledge how successful this was. I know we didn't have 100% buy-in that we should even be doing this. And I just want to commend the people that that stuck with it and provided leadership and did something different despite not having everybody's approval. And I wanted to say that that's okay. We don't always have to agree. And, but it's really important to kind of, I don't know, innovation comes from new ideas and comes from those pieces that don't always go well. So, um, but I think that's kind of an example of me just being like, okay, let's call out the elephants in the room because there's conflict behind the scenes of, 
hey, you didn't like my idea and you thought my idea was dumb and look how successful it was. And and then other people being like, well, I should eat crow because they were right. You know, that whole thing of um, power in those dynamics. And how shame comes up then. Yeah, and yeah, how absolutely. how people let that get in the way. Kim, can you tell us about a time that as a leader, you stepped back, maybe you had your mind either all of the way or most of the way made up about something. You saw the path forward and that as a leader, you stepped back and listened and that you had your mind changed. Yeah, it happens all the time. One of the things is I try not to have an ego in the work and just understand that my role is a different role than everybody else's and they're, they might be smarter and know the work better than I do. So there's been several times, especially when it relates to our program, that our program team is like, we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you got to explain it to me because I got to believe in what you're doing. So just take the moment and uh, teach me what I need to know so that I can buy into what you're doing. So there have been, you know, some conflicts and some things that we've worked through with that. It also comes down to sometimes with like events or with activities or fund development or raising money. And uh, some people want it a different way than I do. And sometimes it might not even in the end be what I want to happen. And I'm like, well, that's how we learn is I believe in them and I give them the power in this situation. There was this one thing that happened and it was around like the design of how we've set up tables at event. And early on, I was like, I just want to put out there, I think you need to think through that a little bit more. And that person was kind of like, nah, it's fine. I think this is going to work. This is what the committee wants to do. We're going to move forward with it. And I was like, okay, well, if you want to talk about it at some point, let me know. And about two months later, when it's like two weeks out from the event, they came to me and was like, okay, you're right. It's not going to work. I have to do it the way you said two months ago. And I was like, okay, well, how do you want to handle that? And they're like, I don't know. The committee is going to be so upset. And I said, just blame me. Just say Kim in the end said it's not going to work out the way. And so we went and we met and I said, I've changed my mind. It's not going to work the way that you guys decided. So we have to change the layout. And I took responsibility for that. So I think that's like a moment where I can be there for my team and kind of take responsibility, even if it wasn't necessarily, you know, I let that person kind of run with it. And then in the end, they're like, okay, it should be different. So I'm always like, hey, blame me when something goes wrong. (laughs) You know, you can blame me. It's fine. Can you tell us a little bit more about ways that you've supported your team? I know that we all have had many conversations around the approaches that you've had of rethinking compensation and different supports for your team. And just so our listeners just have this context too of, I know, Kim, you and I have chatted about as people who have worked directly with youth, this mindset that exists across New Mexico, across the country of let's pay people who work with youth minimum wage with no benefits, no other supports. And we're putting people in charge of young people's lives. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with providing physical and emotional and social safety for young people. And how do we better compensate our teams? So can you share a little bit about how you've approached that? I know it's ongoing work. I know that your desire is to keep increasing those supports and compensations for your staff. But I know you've already made great strides in that area as well. It is an ongoing process. You do it one year and you're like, and I did that, so I don't have to do that again. And then you go a year or two and you say, okay, well, inflation went up by X percent and your team can't continue to live on what they're making. And so we have to make adjustments from there. You know, so many organizations want to keep compensation private and they don't want 
everybody to kind of know where everybody is. And not that my whole team knows where everybody is, but every time we hire somebody, every time we give someone a pay increase, I look at the whole organization pay structure and make sure that I feel like people are paid fairly between each other for their role and responsibility for the work that they're doing, for how long they've been with the organization, their experience working with youth. Because I know what it's like to have people be like, shh, you can't tell anybody about what you make because you might make more than the new person or you might make more as a new person than someone that's been around. So, you know, just this summer, we were starting staff that worked directly with girls at 18 and we decided to bump it up to 20. So now most of my team has been around a lot. We also bumped everybody else up. So if we're bumping up starting wages, that means people that have been there a while also have to be bumped up. That means their managers also have to be bumped up. And so we take this kind of whole organizational approach. And then we have really good benefits. We have paid time off, paid health leave. We pay health insurance. You know, so we, I strongly believe in in giving our team as much opportunity as possible with all the benefits and pay structure they can have. But I think the other thing that's kind of unwritten in organizations and businesses is power of just flexibility. You know, so much of the people that work in the field of youth are people that lead with their heart and really put their heart in everything they do. And a lot of them are parents. And so much of our society is like, you work to, I don't know, what is it? You live to work versus you work to live. You know, I always tell my team, like, know your child and they have a performance or they're sick. It's more important for you to do that than the work at Girls Inc. And yes, that deadline was meaningful earlier today, but now it's not so meaningful because you need a moment to go take care of yourself or take care of your people in your life. And, you know, even yesterday I had a personal emergency and I felt a little bit bad about not going to work. And my team was like, Kim, we got you. You always got us. So we got you. Don't you worry. So there's just like this shared appreciation and understanding that we are people first before we are employees. And that's just, I don't know, that's what we all need as people in this moment is people to understand that we're people first. And I don't know. Isn't that the heart of equity? right? That we actually see each other as human beings. And investing in the people, right? I mean, they're your best assets. So why wouldn't you invest in them? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The people are like number one, right? I always say that my job is to keep the organization going and, you know, it's right above, you know, if we're, we're not in the business of making profits, we're in the business of people and our people sit right up underneath the organization. So, You know, like during COVID, we didn't lay anybody off until like two years in. We didn't like move right away to do anything. And that was only because we had to reorganize because we weren't doing the same work. But it was really important to me to keep our team as sustainable as possible. So centering them, centering the people is really important to me. And it can be simple, but yet so many places don't do it. It resonates so much hearing you talk about how your team works with one another and allows people space and flexibility when they need it. It's It resonates so much because that's the approach we take at Prospera Partners is we give each other space when unexpected life things come up. And because they it, do. Because they do for all of <laughs> yeah. us. And they are unexpected. We can't yeah. plan for them. And it's that give and take of what does it mean to be part of a team and to know that I can lean on my team members in those unexpected challenges and times, but that also means I need to show up too. It's this whole balance of 
um, shared power and shared responsibility of then there are times that I might have to show up even more when I do have more capacity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it has so much to do with trust, right? Like you have to trust one another. Totally. And I think that's kind of like the basis of all of this work is it kind of all boils down to trust. You can't feel like you belong if you don't trust. You can't feel like you have, you can navigate conflict effectively. You can't feel like we're all on the same page and we can have hard, hard conversations if we don't trust each other. So we spend a lot of time at the beginning of like any kind of new season or new kind of wave of employees really working on trust. It's, it's important. You know, in my operations plan last year, I put that we focus on making sure that we're treating each other with love, compassion, and kindness, which was like interesting as a leader to put in our operational business plan for a year that that was important. And interesting enough, I didn't get any pushback. I got feedback that that was really good, but it wasn't, you know, our culture is such a way at this point that everyone's like, that makes sense. That's perfect that we continue to make sure that we're highlighting that. Well, I love that you're operationalizing it because, I mean, we talk about triple bottom line in the social enterprise world all the time, people, planet, profit, or people, planet, prosperity. And you're truly putting people first in a nonprofit organization where oftentimes the people that are doing the work on the ground and they're having the biggest impact are not the ones that are being invested in. They just are expected to show up and do the hard work and give their heart and souls to it all. So I want to share with you a aha WTF moment that came up for me. And this is kind of our segue into closing, but it really struck me in, oh my gosh, I think it was our final session with you, which was last fall already at the I end know. of 2022. Holy moly. Yesterday so in 2019. Almost a year ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. So almost a year ago, our final session with you all there was a suggestion brought up when we were talking about like, what could this all look like? You know, what is the vision for the future? And it was all very utopian, right? There was this exciting, not an exaggeration necessarily, but like this utopian vision. And one of the comments that came out was, what if we could all live together on like a Girls Inc. campus, like a compound, <laughs> and we all have, you know, affordable housing that we can all afford to live in and, and we can all like have meals together and raise each other's kids together and be together and have our programs. And it was all like, everyone was kind of laughing about it, but it was all very, um, it felt to me like a reflection of the culture that has been created to want to do that together. And that came from a program team member who works directly with the youth. So it was interesting to me that that was a reflection and it wasn't just some like crazy lofty idea, but it was like, I love this place so much. I just want to be with you all, all the time. Right. <laughs> we have so really good just, people. We have a really I know good you team. do. Yeah. You do. Maybe and it's good supports that we're not with each other all the time. In here as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So what is your aha or what the fuck moment, Kim, from our conversation today? Well, I'm going to say something different than the, the conversation today, because I think you guys don't know this. So as part of our work together, one of the recommendations from you all was that we really hire some sort of communications position that focuses on that. And through my whole leadership, I have really struggled with that concept because I'm like, we do the work. I hate that I have to communicate it out into the public that we do this work. Can't y'all just see what we're doing? And and come to find out people just don't see what we're doing sometimes and we're doing really wonderful things. And so I'm really pleased that I will be hiring this fall a chief storyteller. 
And the reason I'm going to go with the, a chief storyteller is because I want it to be really grounded in our young people's stories. So not just the story of Girls, Inc., but the story of the young people that are here in New Mexico and how, you know, their voices need to be heard. So it's going to be storytelling and, of course, comms and marketing and all that stuff, too, but really grounded in uplifting your youth's voices. And and that really came from some of the recommendations that you guys had and kind of shifting my perspective as a leader of like, that's really worth the investment. And so, yeah, that's happening. And that's been an aha moment because people have told me that for almost the last eight or 10 years, and I've not <laughs> been able to hear it, I guess, through my thick head. And so, yeah, I really appreciated your guys' kind of guidance on that. Congratulations. I'm so glad to hear that. That's Thanks. exciting. Yeah. That's and and thank you. Thank you for um, announcing that here. That's like a, we scooped it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I haven't gone public with it. So, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Great news. Congratulations. Eileen, what's your, what's your final thought? Aha uh-huh. or WTF? I feel like the aha from this conversation and just our work in general with you, Kim, and, and the team over at Girls, Inc., is this idea if we hear from nonprofits and social enterprises that we work with that, well, what do I do about equity? What do I do? You know, it's a lot of talk and how do we put it into practice? It's that constant question. And I think it's that piece of sometimes it can be really simple of you allow your team to be humans and see them as humans and respond to showing up to let people navigate those unexpected life things as they come up. I think that's a real key piece to equity, again, that isn't talked about enough in anyone's work. So thanks for lifting that up today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kim. We're so glad to have had you here with us and share all of this great stuff. And I hope that folks hear it and really truly understand what it is to be in practice of all of this great work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you, And Kim. we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good.